Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks very much for spending part of your day with us, our final 30 of the day. And then we will be back with you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific here on Sirius XM 132. Oh! And also a reminder, thank you, America's Wow, Dream. that was awesome, man. I Jeez. It's been You're fun. You're always on it. It's been fun getting used to this. You don't miss over a the beat, last... man. Oh, I, I've missed plenty of... Trust me. Go talk to Danielle. Go talk to Patty and Monique. I've missed plenty of beats the last three days <laughs> on, on this little switch. Uh, just a reminder also to go to the Knowledge Award and website, which has a variety of stories making news from around the globe. Nice thing. That hasn't changed. Yes. Knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. That won't change. Won't change. Period. End of sentence. Uh, when you go there, make sure that you sign up for the newsletters, which come at you every Wednesday and Friday. So the latest edition of the newsletter out tomorrow. Uh, and also, if you scroll down the homepage, you'll be able to find our Knowledge in Five podcast, which are samples of the interviews on the show every day. Go to knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu to find out more. More and more well-known retailers are looking to put businesses, smaller versions of their big box stores, in inner-city locations where millennials and their families are living. But in some cases, those businesses, which are also retailers but also restaurants as well, sometimes are deaf to the culture of a neighborhood or what is built around them. A restaurant in Brooklyn opened a year ago with fake bullet holes in the walls. They were also serving bottles of wine out of paper bags. (laughs) These are marketing choices that are not necessarily being accepted well by the community. Huh, big shock there. So why are they being made? Wharton Marketing Professor Americus Reed joins us to take a look at why you also hear him right here on Sirius XM 132 is one of the hosts of Marketing Matters. Good to see you again, my friend. It's a pleasure to be here always. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that these businesses are making these moves because they're looking for more ways to connect with the consumer in an easier fashion. People living in more people living in cities. They want to have that smaller Target store or, you Mm -hmm. know, more Starbucks locations. Yes. But some of these these decisions that are being made, <laughs> the one of the restaurant in Brooklyn I just mentioned, yeah. really does make you think as to what they wow. are trying to do. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall for that meeting? Well, apparently there <laughs> there might be a bullet hole on right, that wall. Right there, you go. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's it's it makes sense in theory because the whole point to what you were just saying, Dan, is exactly correct, and that's the idea that we're looking for ways to engage deeper with consumers. And one way you might do that is to meet them where they live and breathe and where their identities are rooted in their local neighborhood. So it makes sense sort of in theory to be able to say, hey, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for me if I'm a brand or I'm a retail uh, offering or a service or whatever uh, that I can make potentially that connection with people. Of course, the execution piece is a, is a completely different <laughs> story, right? Yeah, and seemingly there there might have been an execution in this in this restaurant. <laughs> oh wow, man, making, you are hot today, making, brother. Making these You're making these it. decisions, but yes. but I mean, when you think about and a restaurant is one thing. Yes, it's trying to fit in the community, and maybe they're looking to have some sort of historical tie right. to the people and to that community where they live. Right. When you talk about maybe the bigger box chains yes. like Target, Target, putting a smaller location <laughs> in a particular city, yes, y- you want to kind of almost blend in yes. and, and just kind of 
be part of the community and not be exuberant or, yes. or over flashy to a degree, right? Yeah, you're 100% correct, Dan. The word is authenticity. And, you know, we think about it from a branding perspective. We're saying, like, the, the neighborhood itself, the local environment is a brand. Right. These uh, small box, big box folks, these retailers, they are brands. What you're pointing to, Dan, is the critical question of what is the relative synchronicity I need to create between the two so that the experience, the aesthetic comes off as seamless and organic and authentic and not some kind of bizarre marketing shtick, which it often does if it's done improperly. How often is that aspect of it not even considered in your mind? Yeah, it's shocking, you know, because these aren't like dumb people that are in uh, these roles that are making these decisions. And presumably they're looking at something that says, hey, you know what? There is fit here. There's not fit here. Uh, all of those different types of things. But I think oftentimes in a rush to quickly create a concept, because there is kind of a a timeline, right? Because you want to be the first to do it. You don't want to be the second, third, or fourth, because then you don't get the impact, right? So there's kind of a rush to do it quickly. And so perhaps in that rush to do it quickly, uh, some of these decision makers are not really thoroughly kind of testing out some of the ideas. Because I would think that if you just went to locals and had a few conversations about <laughs> right about some of the ideas, yeah. that you would quickly get you know some feedback that would say, hey, you really shouldn't be doing this, or the bullet hole thing, or the wine in the paper bag thing is probably going to make some people a little bit irritated. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah because, you, because all of these communities are understanding that there's a history element to it. There are elements of that history yes. that they don't want to repeat. They Correct. Don't, they they want to just thank you. We we understand this was part of our community 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but it's done. It's over with. We've moved on. We've advanced so far. Our community is much different than what it was back then. Let's play on that aspect yes. and not the negative side. Yeah, I think it's 100% correct. The other thing that's sort of under the surface is that when you think about gentrification more generally, okay. it often has this kind of already kind of negative thing associated with it. It's yeah. like all of a sudden we're going to take these environments and we're going to like raise the cachet of these environments to kind of what they would be kind of modernized upper middle class sort of um, interpretation of right. that environment. So you're right. already working against now that's already working against you. Yeah. And so, you know, as you think about how to do this correctly, you know, you got to find out, you got to figure out a, a really good process to be able to test the ideas, vet the ideas and to move forward in a way that has some diligence around making sure that the ideas that you're coming up with, you know, aren't going to rub people the wrong way. Gentrification is a, is obviously a, in a lot of cities, and we see it here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's a concern mm-hmm. because of what you are you're trying to improve something, mm-hmm. but you're doing it at to a degree the expense of the people that had lived there yes. for a long period of time. Yes, and then you throw the business element into it, and, and yes. I, I think in a lot of cases. When it is a mom and pop store mm-hmm. or a restaurant or a clothier, mm-hmm. you know, something along that line, those businesses, if, if they just do it on a normal basis, they <laughs> fit in very easily. Yes. In a couple of stories I've seen, there's been the example of this Target store in East Village in New York, <laughs> yes. which you have a nice looking brick building behind this, yes. but the front is all of this kind of. <laughs> I guess the term was Michigas uh-huh. in the front of the Target store, <laughs> right. which is not even close to what a normal close. Target store would look like. Exactly. And so people have in their mind, like, they they have an expectation of what they think they're going to see when they see a Target. And to the extent that that expectation is wildly violated, 
uh, in the context of attempting to try to do appropriate uh, gentrification and merging of the neighborhood with a, a retail offering like Target is going to be, you know, a serious thing to consider. I mean, when I take a look at the picture, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's basically just bullseyes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's crazy. And I understand that Target, if you will, has come from, you know, developing a kind of reinvention of it, reimagination sure. of its brand. But when you just see it, I mean, it's just oh, we have eyes, Dan. Yeah. We just look at this and we say, this looks weird. Might be a touch much. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way over the top. But then they threw in and, and, and for people that are listening to this in the radio, you can't see us. But if you were to go Google East Village Target, you would probably see this photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also a, a legendary bar <laughs> in that in New York City called CBGB. Mm-hmm. And they Target took a portion of this front of this building, and they did it in the script of the old yes. CBGB yes. and did it in TRGT oh. just to promote Target one more time in yeah. this process. It's unbelievable. It's like, again, you know, flying the wall. Like, what did that sound like? Hey, I've got this great idea. Listen, guys, listen to this. You know? And yeah. it's like when you look at it and you look at the actual execution, it's like I, it can't get any more pandering than this. It's just like – Put some time into it. Like, yeah. I mean, like, try to come up with something. I mean, literally, if you if you ask, like, a, a 10-year-old, you know, what would you do if you were going to make something? I mean, these are the kind of ideas that a very unsophisticated, non-kind-of-thinking uh, person would come up with, like, brainstorming, throwing stuff on the whiteboard. Yeah. And they're fully executing on this. It's shocking, actually. What, then, in your mind— However, we're talking about it. It is true, yeah, <laughs> so... which, which is half the battle for, for Target. What is it, then, is the recourse for— the people that are living near this this target location in East Village, New York, and obviously other locations that that are doing similar things in cities, what's the recourse for the the people that live in the neighborhood? Because here's a big business; they have a kind of a mindset, they have a a framework to what they want this to do, and seemingly they're not going to deviate off of that. Yeah, it's for well, I mean the the local folks. The, the the beautiful thing about this, Dan, is something that you you know we're touching upon. Which is the idea that, you know, you can vote with your dollars. So, you know, if the local neighborhood gets together, I mean, the people that are there can literally say, you know, we're going to tell you how poorly we think of this with yeah. with our wallets. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of you know, green always speaks, man. I mean, you, know, you start losing money yeah. and people start changing ideologies and plans and strategies very quickly. I, I think it also would speak to the, the need. And, and I'm sure that in many communities there is more of this of of community interaction when like a business like this comes up for the potential of coming into a neighborhood like this mm-hmm. of those people going to that that board meeting mm-hmm. you know that community board me- meeting yeah. and saying yes. you know what yes maybe this isn't the the best idea or okay we we're okay with you coming in but Let's keep it understated a little bit. Yes, and it, I, I love that idea, Dan, to take that idea a little bit further. To the political side of it. Yes, exactly. To yeah. t- but to take that idea uh, further, with uh, the political side, but also the branding side, why not co-opt these people? Why not say, listen, I'm the marketing guy or girl. I'm going to actually recruit some of these local people who are there, yeah. who know the history, know what's authentic, know what fits, know what doesn't fit, and I'm going to get them to help me understand more where my parameters are, where yeah. my boundaries are, where's the scope of which I can, the, my degrees of freedom to actually be able to do something that's not going to rile people up. There's also the element of, of, from the other side of this, when you get a business that that is thoughtful mm-hmm. uh, of what the, what the neighborhood is, is thoughtful of who the people are, uh, of the relationship you build. I mean, you talked about 
money talks and you lose when your money is not going into the store, you build that relationship and you build more dollars. Yes. If you think about these things, if you actually either make that connection or you're you're thoughtful with how the presentation of your business actually comes forward. The re- you're 100% correct. The relationship between a business and the community is like a bank account, basically, a, a theoretical bank account. And every time you engage with people in a way that gives them the right sense, the right signal about how you care about what's going on in that in that neighborhood, yeah. you're event- you're essentially making deposits of goodwill into that bank account. And you can rely and that goodwill is very important, Dan, because that goodwill, you may actually need it in the future when if something happens with the brand or there's a small misstep, you know, you're easily forgiven, not easily, but you you are forgiven because mm-hmm. you've built up all of this authentic perception that hey, you really care about what's going on here. You're not just showing up to make another dollar. America Street joining us here in studio, uh, marketing professor here at the Wharton School and also uh, one of the hosts of Marketing Matters here on Sirius XM 132 <laughs> here on this uh, great channel that we are now on. Uh, so then th- the thought process of businesses making these types of statements becomes even more important because seemingly we're we're at kind of like maybe we've just left the starting gate of a race where more and more businesses are looking to use these types of options as ways to increase their bottom line. More of these small stores. Starbucks, obviously, is yep. another one that, yep. that mm-hmm. you know, really, it, it picks its locations, mm-hmm. but obviously there's an importance to where they are, but the importance to the relationship of how they deal with the community, which Huge. unfortunately we saw here in Philadelphia, <laughs> happen on the negative side a few weeks ago. Yeah, that, that's a, it's a, it's an ongoing uh, challenge for for comp- big companies to do this the right way because they're trying to feel small and unique and authentic and almost mom and pop ish, but they're big corporate you know behemoths, yeah. and so like making that feel like it's something seamless and authentic or- and organic in the local environment and doing it in a way that is ultimately sensitive to those individuals in that neighborhood is a very very difficult thing to do. That's why go talk to people that are there. Why not just Ask for help. Say, hey, I want to get people involved in this effort, and you're going to be my sounding board, you locals. And maybe you even pay them. I don't know. Maybe you give them some incentive to do this stuff. But you co-op them, and you help them bring – you bring them into the conversation. They have the terminology. They have the the, the vocabulary. They have the the, the understanding of that entire kind of environment, and they can help you kind of get up to speed on that and not make dumb mistakes. Can that go the other way as well? And and I say the other way from – the small business, not the big name chain, but the small business, seeing that a Target or a Starbucks or whatever mm. does very well and to a degree trying to replicate what they do. And in the end, they have the negative impact. They're tied mm. into the negative instead of just staying with that that core mom and pop small yeah, business. We, we do well. And, you know, can that actually occur? I think that can occur. I think that's an interesting kind of flip side of the coin that you're bringing up there, Dan, in the sense of that, you know, every single business is trying to grow. Every single business is trying to figure out new ways that they can get new people to buy their products. And so as you think about scaling up your business, if you're a small mom and pop, you're thinking about how do I make this brand? It, it gets It's hard, right? Because I can build incredible authenticity and relevance in a small environment in a local neighborhood where I've been for a long time and yeah. I understand it. Yeah. But if I'm trying to grow outside of that, now it's a different ballgame. And so yeah. you know, trying to do that successfully is a challenge both for the small companies trying to scale, but also the big companies trying to be small and unique.
America Street joining us here in studio. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or again on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Seemingly, though, it feels like that even though that there are these mistakes that we mention mm-hmm. uh, that we see, there are companies that are doing this right. They are recognizing that that this is an important component to the success of that particular store. And, and it probably also becomes a way to replicate that success mm-hmm. in, in cities across the United States, around the globe, wherever it may be, correct? I think that's correct. I think, again, the big challenge that I see that I think is identified here is one of the things you're you're trading off is you're trading off a sense of uh, synchronicity with a local environment with your ability to deliver the same – I'll say it this way. The ability to deliver a consistent experience across the stores. Right. So when people – you know, when you, I, the example I think about all the time is sort of like the Ritz-Carlton. You know, it's kind of sure. a little bit on the high end. Yeah. Wherever you go, it doesn't matter where this place is, wherever you are in the world, when you step in, you know exactly what you're going to get. Yep. McDonald's, if you want to go on the other end. Yeah. You step in, that burger is going to be – that those hotcakes – they're going to be exactly the same anywhere yeah. in this country, right? Yeah. And so that's a hard challenge to say, how do I you know, deliver the same product and experience? Because the experience affects yeah. how you perceive the product in a way that allows me to be authentic and relevant to a local environment, but also have some consistency and to be able to scale my brand such that I'm not just producing like little satellites of completely different things. Because if I do that, then I don't have a brand, actually, yeah. right? Because a brand, by definition, is being consistent in how you deliver an experience, a product, and those kinds of things. But the perception of brand, realistically, it's not any different from a big chain mm-hmm. as it is to the mom and pop. It's just the number of people that yeah. are involved in promoting the brand and making sure that the brand kind of lives up to a certain expectation, correct? Yeah, I think that's 100% correct. I think, though, however, that you know, do, when you're talking about a small type of thing, it's like there's big costs there in terms of like managing that to make sure... Big impact. Big impact. Yeah. And, and, but it, you know, it's costly okay. as well right. in the sense of, of you know, really getting that, that, R, that return on investment, that ROI to be able to deliver on the smaller scale in a way that's boutique-ish, unique-ish, you know, all, if that's a word. All I the mean, issues. All were, the all issues. Were, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to do, though. It's very difficult. But it's also incredibly important for the small business because of the want yes. of businesses to have that success and have that connection within, the, within their community mm-hmm. because – whether it is going to the mall mm-hmm. and, and going to buy clothes or going into the local mom and pop store, we now see more than ever the, the needs of the consumer mm-hmm. are, are, are even more so important in this mm-hmm. day and age to be able to keep these consumers coming back and not go to the, to the guy down the street or 100%. to the big box retailer. Hundred percent correct. And you know, you add on top of that the the, the challenge with kind of the digital. Uh, aspect of this, right? Because like Amazon is putting pressure on everybody yeah. to basically raise the game in terms of what what consumers are experiencing when they go to your retail outlets, right? Because as of now, I mean, Bezos and those boys and girls, you know, click a button and you're done. Yeah. So you better have something else to offer when you're stepping into these places. I think that's an added pressure to this. Which, as well. uh, which I guess then when we're talking about this with the with the smaller big box retailer coming into a neighborhood, that's a component that obviously they have that the mom and pop wouldn't have, That's right. which is a benefit to them. And again, it's another one of these 
these pieces of thought yes. when you're thinking about what you're putting in a store like this in a neighborhood. Right. So that you can, you know, you can have the 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 uh, the most clientele coming in. Absolutely, and the the other interesting nuance about that is this pressure that kind of the Amazon effect is having on retailers makes it really critical that you deliver something that is a, a really incredible experience, and so that's naturally driving uh, retailers and, and companies to want to try to make this deeper kind of neighborhood connection because yeah. if you can, that that's identity you know yeah. if, I, if I that's my day think about that my routine is to get up go to that environment get my coffee in the morning I'm hanging out I'm you know I'm reading the newspaper I'm reading I'm bringing my laptop this is who I am yeah. and, and so to be so the tar- folks like target want to be a part of that that memory that that experience that habit yeah. so that it really connects deeply inside and that's really going to be one of the things that helps overcome the inertia that would normally have you just clicking on Amazon and being done with it. Do you think we will continue to see retailers making these investments mm-hmm. in these smaller stores in these communities whether it be in, in downtown you know Philadelphia, New York, Boston, whatever the city is so that they catch the they catch the customer coming out of their business at lunchtime or heading to the train or going to their car whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Will we continue to see that investment for the near term because it's kind of an unproven ground right now? I think we definitely are in the stages of kind of an upward trajectory of seeing these instances happen. And I think what's going to be interesting is you're going to have a shakeout, essentially, of those uh, retail outlets, those organizations that can do it really, really well and do it in a seamless, non-marketing, shtickish kind of way yeah. uh, that are going to be able to actually continue on that trajectory. So I think we're just starting to see a, kind of a surge of this, and we're going to continue to see it at least for a, a little bit in the short run. But, and again, mixing that in with the connection to the consumer, mm-hmm. which – I would think, and my experience right off the top of my head is in Midtown Manhattan, mm. in and around Madison Square Garden, and yes. going to the train station. Yeah, of having so many people and so many businesses, and businesses want to try and have that connection, but there's so much going on that I yeah. find it, I find it amazing that they can have any connection with yeah. any consumer. I think you're pointing to the biggest challenge in all this, which is. You know, the the clutter problem yeah. and the idea that we as consumers, we are bombarded with thousands of messages every single day. And <laughs> yeah. we're challenged with what, what am I going to pay attention to? So, I mean, that's your point. Like when you go down, you know, go down, go to Times Square and you can see the, the stakes are like uh, 10 orders of magnitude yeah. in terms of trying to stand out in an environment like that. And so as more companies start to do this sort of thing where they're going to be a part of a, a gentrification, regentrification effort. Uh, they're going to have to pay attention to this kind of uh, idea that the, the more companies that do this, the harder it is to going to the harder it's going to be to stand out essentially. But because of some of these efforts, is it a concern that that in many cases we're almost pricing out the mom and pop oh, yeah. from being in these locations? Oh yeah, you know it's the targets, it's the Starbucks, it's those brands of the world mm-hmm. that are the only ones that can afford it. Yeah. When you may have that office space on the floor, on the first floor. Yeah. Living space on floors two, three, and four. Yeah, you you can't have the mom and pop in those locations. That's hundred percent correct. You you're pointing to the ultimate kind of irony in all this, and that is to say that you know as more big box companies, more established big brands try to do this, I mean almost by definition, it's going to be more difficult for the smaller, 
mom and pop kinds of um, outlets to be able to continue to survive because now the big box dealers are kind of playing their game. Yeah. And it, to the extent that they can do it really well and authentically with, re, you know, with relevance and all that stuff, it's going to create a quite a huge amount of pressure on the mom and pops, you know, to be able to keep up with that because they don't have the resources to, to do the kinds of marketing and promotion that some of these big box folks can do. But, but it feels like at times it's almost certain types of mom and, mom and pops. And I wonder, and maybe the restaurant industry is kind of tied into this a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, you think about putting a bar bar restaurant in a location. Those industries, if if your product is good, yes. it really doesn't matter. You're you're part of the community. Yes, it's like the the you know taking you. That's the dry cleaners. Yes, uh, you know some of the those types of businesses that really can can be pushed out the door because of these changes. Absolutely, and I think those are the the businesses that are going to have to keep their eyes on the ball in terms of. Redefining their business model, redefining their their customer experience paradigm. So to add other kinds of things that would be you know important draws to those community members that really play upon the authenticity of having been in that neighborhood for for a long time. I mean that's the whole point of this. The idea of connecting with your identity is you know that person who owns the business. They've been there 15, 20 years. You know the history, the story. There's all of this rich kind of identity based. Uh, qualitative content that draws you to it that goes beyond just what the products are that are there. So to be able to continue that, I think, is going to be something that they're going to have to really think about, but also kind of think about how modernizing their approach to creating that experience can help them compete against folks like Target, yeah. who might show up to try to do some of these wildly you know, amazing kinds of uh, efforts. But when they have all the, all the, the, yeah. the resources in the world, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's an uphill fight right from the get-go. Yes. And you really do have to find your kind of path, your niche, yes. in order to be successful. Yes, and the, and the bigger you know, additional challenge to that, Dan, is that eventually the locals die, right? And there's yeah. a new group of people in there, and they may have no footprint, no memory of that old school kind of historical context. They may say, okay, wow, this is Target, yeah. and this is awesome now. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty big challenge. Great seeing you again. It's always a pleasure Thank to be you. here, my man. Thank appreciate you. you. Americus Reed from here at the uh, Wharton School, and also you hear him on Marketing Matters right here on Sirius XM 132. All right, that'll take care of the show for the day. We will be back with you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time right here on Sirius XM 132. As part of our show tomorrow, uh, we are going to take a look at the impact of cell phone use on our kids but also the fact that uh, these kids, in many cases, are having these uh, devices in our school systems more and more. We're going to delve into some research uh, in that arena coming up as part of our show tomorrow. And then also, it is summertime, and many of you living around the United States may very well have uh, the old box air conditioner that you stick in the window, right? Well, there are some issues potentially surrounding air conditioning and getting sick from it. We'll delve into that as part of the show tomorrow. Many thanks to Patty McMahon and Monique Nazareth on the other side of the glass putting the show together. Danielle Bruno is our, is our assistant producer. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Who loves the